0: Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers.
1: Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers. Today, we're going to talk to former Saints guard Jari Evans. He played for the Saints from 2006 to 2016. It was announced last week that Evans is a semifinalist for induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Evans started all 16 games in each of his first seven years of his career here as well as all eight of the Saints' postseason games during that period. He started 122 consecutive games, including the playoffs. Evans played 11 years for the Saints, starting in every game that he participated in. Here are a few of his accolades. Following his rookie year, Evans was named to Pro Football Weekly's All-Rookie Team. He was a big part of the Saints' Super Bowl team. Evans holds the Saints franchise record for being named a first-team All-Pro four times, selected to six straight Pro Bowls. He was a two-time recipient of the Madden Most Valuable Protectors Award. He did a really good job protecting quarterback Drew Brees. Evans is a member of the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame, He was selected to the Saints' 50th anniversary team. He's a two-time NCAA D2 All-American and is a finalist to be a member of the 2023 class for the College Football Hall of Fame. He's been already inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame as well as the Bloomsburg University Hall of Fame. Not only are we going to talk to Evans on the podcast today, we're going to talk to Times NOLA.com columnist, Jeff Duncan. Not only did Duncan follow Evans' entire career covering it for the Times-Picune. He also is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee. He has a really, really good perspective on Evans, who he is as a player and a person, why he deserves this honor, and also into the entire process of selecting these Hall of Famers. It's a really interesting conversation. First, we're going to start things off with Jari Evans. Jari, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I appreciate it. How are you doing this week?
2: Doing well, doing well. Uh, You know, kids are home for the holiday, but uh, (laughs) all is well.
1: (laughs) A little busier around the house, I assume, then. Lots going on. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and and talk about yourself. Rightfully so. Pro Football Hall of Fame nominee here. First year that you were eligible and you made the the cut the 28 yeah what what was that when when you found out like how did that process happen how were you told that you made the the semi-finalist list
2: yeah so i was on uh i was on the radio on monday on, on my normal weekly monday show on fox sports here in philadelphia uh, fox sports the gambler and and uh my sports agent told me that the list will be coming out on to tu- well he di- we didn't think it was like going to be coming out we just thought we were going to hear it through the voters or whatever mm-hmm. but um yeah I just heard on Tuesday when uh people were posting it my phone was going a little little bananas I was in a couple meetings and then heading to pick up the children from school and my phone was just it wouldn't stop ringing and then uh, a couple phone calls came through and everybody was congratulating me on making the semi
1: what was that moment like for you when you realized that you you made the semifinalist?
2: It, it was awesome. You know, I did. I don't really, you know, I've been trying to educate myself on the Hall of Fame process. You know, these last couple of years, I didn't really know that it was, you know, so many breakdowns from 129 to 28. And then I think there's a few more afterwards. So just um, just learning the process and learning what, what it takes and who actually has their hands in the process of the voting. Uh, but it, it was amazing. I, I was very thankful to get the votes from the you know, the Hall of Fame committee. Um, I've been around Hall of Famers for a while when I was playing, even during the Super Bowls that I would go to and, and going to their events that they've had and, and talking with a lot of them and, and being here in Philadelphia, being a partner of Jaws and, and a couple of the Eagles Hall of Famers and the people that they have been. You know, we've golfed together a lot since I've been retired back home. So it, it, it was awesome, man, Just just receiving all the warm – warm thank yous and and encouragement of, you know, you know, just just the best wishes and all that. It was it was great.
1: Yeah. You've been in several Hall of Fames, starting with your college, Bloomsburg University, and then the Saints Hall of Fame, Louisiana Hall of Fame. How will this one stack up?
2: Man, uh, you know, this this is this is one that I've always wanted to be in ever since I was drafted and entered the league. I always wanted to be the best player I can be. And I, and I always thought that if I could do that and 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 become an elite player in the NFL, I would have a shot to be immortalized in, in the Hall of mm-hmm. Fame. Um, and, you know, just playing in those Hall of Fame games leading up to those preseason games that we played. In, I think we played in about two or three, just, you know, getting there, feeling the energy of it. Um, th- this is the big one. This is awesome. Um, I think I'll get into the college NCAA Hall of Fame at some point. But um, this is, you know, th- this is a big one.
1: Yeah, you are a finalist for the, the college, as you mentioned, Hall of Fame. Yeah. You just kind of keep stacking accolades. <laughs> what was it about
2: <laughs> the... It's like I'm still in the game here. Every-
1: yeah, you put in all the work when you played. How were you able to just be so productive year in and year out? I mean, six Pro Bowls, four-time first teamer, and of course, a Super Bowl champion.
2: Well, you know, I think I played on some great teams, had some great teammates. We've always encouraged each other to be the best player we can be. But, you know, I, uh, you know, I just worked hard. I always thought about my training being a uh, science major, exercise science. I've always, you know, studied sports science throughout college. Um, Always was interested in, in, you know, working out, training, trying to reinvent yourself as an athlete um, studying yourself, studying your movements. Um, you know, I've always tried to be conscious of those things, be conscious of not just working out one way or working out one style or just working out with one person. Um, I tell people, I used to work out with three different, you know, trainers during the off season with the saints. And then I would go to Pensacola with Dr. Andrews. And then I would come home and and work out in Philadelphia at my gym with my trainer who i worked out since, since college, um, Julius King at all fitness. So, Just having, I think, just switching it up and always trying to reinvent myself, always trying to look to get better um, each each year. And also understanding that, you know, just like we study other players, the players that we're going against, they're studying you as well. So I think knowing yourself as a player is, is a big step and also knowing that you can always improve.
1: You came in the year that Coach Sean Payton came in, the quarterback Drew Brees. Being on that team and building towards the success that you guys had, how much fun was it to be a part of that era with the Saints?
2: Oh, it was it was a lot of fun. Winning is fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> Winning is fun. We won a lot of games, and, and we won in in some uh, some great fashions, and then we had to squeak some out too. Um, but the biggest thing I, I, I remember is just. Believing in each other, being on the sideline, you know, knowing that the defense was going to give us enough time or get the ball back for us to go down there and do our thing. And knowing that we were never out of a game because we had, you know, a guy like Drew Brees, you know, as long as we kept him clean and as long as we, you know, played for each other, we we could we could always, you know, come back and and, and stay in games and come out with a W. But our mindset was always to win. It was it was never um, not to to be dominant. You know, we always thought that we, we always wanted to be dominant. We always wanted to play hard and we always wanted to win for the city, uh, especially coming there in 2006, knowing what, you know, the fans and the city and the region, you know, went through and, and go through every year with with hurricane season. We always, you know, kept that close to us. And, and we always wanted to make sure that we gave them a winning, you know, a winning product on the field.
1: You, you didn't come from a big name university, you know, not one of the, the top ones. Right fourth round draft pick for everybody that's hoping to make it you know what would be your message to them that you know it doesn't matter where you started it's kind of the work that you've put in
2: yeah um you know coming from a smaller school division two program uh you know we were a, a pretty solid division two program and we had some great coaching um but you know nowadays if you're good the NFL will find you if you're good you know colleges will find you there's so many different ways to get your information out there so i always just encourage the youth that you know they put their all into it they love the game they love the sport you know stay true to their academics because the thing about the nfl is you, you can't get to the nfl without going to college so you have to you know study and stay true to your academics and just keep practicing you know practicing hard and doing the necessary things to be successful um it is a tough league to get into, but now with some other smaller leagues coming up, I think that uh, a lot of people is going to have opportunities to play football post-college and, and with their goals and aspirations of getting to the NFL.
1: Is coaching going to be something that you do? I know you did the internship I, and, and we're around for a little while with the Saints.
2: Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to get into coaching. I have put my resume into a couple of universities. Um, couple high school positions has opened up locally for me. So, you know, talking with some ADs and principals about that. And, uh, right now I, I do have a couple guys in college. One of my guys just got drafted to the XFL. So he's back in the gym working out with me as well. So I'm kind of coaching without being with the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking to possibly bring our O-line clinic back that we have done for 10, 11 years. And, um, and I have a little, uh, a little football Academy going on in January if I don't uh, land with a a team or something. So.
1: Well, awesome stuff. You definitely have a track record of success. You did it yourself. So I'm sure you have a lot of knowledge to share with people and best, best of luck as you continue the process with the pro football hall of fame. and, And one day we'll be talking about you getting into it. So I appreciate the time and yeah, good luck with, with everything you have going on.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Have a good weekend.
1: Now shifting gears about the process itself of being selected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Let's bring in Jeff Duncan. Jeff, thank you so much for jumping in on this edition of the Saints podcast, focusing on former Saint Jari Evans. It's great to have you on. How are you doing? I know I saw you in San Francisco, so I know you're you're back in New Orleans now. Um, But how are you?
0: I'm doing great. Aaron, it was a great trip out there. Unfortunately, the Saints uh, did not come out on top, but I thought they played really well. I like a really good team. And uh, I love San Francisco. So mm-hmm. we've talked about that in the press box a little bit. It's a great city. Uh, and uh, but it is hectic, right? You know, yeah. It's a long trip out, a long trip back. So it's kind of good to get back. And the weather's weather's nice here. So it makes it even better.
1: And you figured out a way to stay a little bit longer. And I want to talk to you about why you stayed there um, at the end of this podcast, but the reason why you're on Jari Evans being a semifinalist into the pro football hall of fame, great accolade for him. Eventually we all think he will get in. How are you affiliated with this process?
0: Okay. Well, it's, it's a interesting background story on, on this whole, I think, uh, Hall of Fame selection process—it's somewhat controversial, I think, to the general public, and a little mysterious, I think, to fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, how it all—how it all takes place. Um, I am the New Orleans representative on the forty-eight member selection committee. Each NFL market has a local media rep. In some cases, it's not a media member. Some—some some cases, it might be a former coach or player, but for the most part, it's media members. And this is my—I think my tenth year now. On the selection committee, uh, I took over for Peter Finney, who was my old colleague and our longtime rep for many years uh, on the committee. And you know, your role basically is to represent all the candidates come through for the New Orleans Saints that are up for um, induction into the Hall of Fame. And um, you know, it's been a busy, really intriguing time to be on the selection committee because the Saints have had a lot of former players that have uh, gotten in in the last decade starting with ricky jackson then we went right to willie rofe and then morton anderson a few years ago and then sam mills as well i mean the saints didn't have anyone in the hall of fame Aaron, for a long time and all mm-hmm. of a sudden now we've got was uh, what is it four members in and and i think Jarry will be the fifth soon uh so it's a very prestigious uh seat to be in but also a lot of responsibility i feel a very strong obligation to the candidates to represent them. I feel a little like a, an attorney going into a case <laughs> because you basically present their case for the Hall of Fame to the selection committee. And it's a it's a five-minute presentation. It used to be 15 minutes. I'm, I'm kind of glad it's been pared down. But, you know, I, I will talk with Jari and, and his former agent, some of his family members, and uh, we'll come up with kind of a plan of how we want to do this. Uh, when he gets to the finalist stage, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. But right now we're in the semifinalist stage, which means we've whittled down. We've had a preliminary vote. I think I think that's one thing to educate people on is this voting process takes place over a period of months. It actually begins way back in the summer when we get the new preliminary list. Players are eligible uh, five years after they retire. So Jari is in his first year of eligibility. He he had to be retired five years Before he becomes eligible, he's the first member of the Saints uh, Super Bowl team that is up for candidate is a candidate for induction. And when we got the preliminary list or other first year eligible players uh, that are also on that list. So you always have to take a look and see who the new faces are that didn't, uh, you know, weren't on the list last year. And then we vote uh, earlier in the fall. We vote on that preliminary list, which is usually about one hundred and. 70 180 uh, names and we get that down to 25 semifinalists that's where we're at right now we've already had that vote we actually have 28 because we had some players tie in the voting mm-hmm. and they carry over ties at this stage we're actually voting on 28 players now and we will do that vote over the next couple of weeks i think it the final vote is due december 13th and that vote we were voting on 15 finalists and that that will get us to the final vote uh right toward the super bowl next month.
1: Okay, so when you get to the the very beginning of this stage, you have your new people that are eligible. You go back for people that have been in this pool for years. How do you pull from that? You know, why does somebody not make the list their first year, second year, third year, maybe they do their fourth year?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. And so here's kind of how it works. Like I will nominate as the New Orleans rep I nominate players for candidacy. For instance, I, I tried to nominate. All the Saints players? Yeah, all the Saints players. Okay. I can actually nominate anybody, but usually you try to nominate your players. I nominated Marcus Colson a few years ago because he actually became eligible. He retired a couple of years before Jari, mm-hmm. and I thought he was worthy of consideration at least in being on the ballot, but he was not eligible. To be eligible for Hall of Fame consideration – you have had to have made at least one Pro Bowl or All-Pro team in your career. And unbelievably, Marcus Colston never did. He was such a great player for so long. I mean, he was definitely one of the best receivers in the league. And I personally believe it's a little bit of a flaw in the system because it's not Marcus's fault that he was in the NFC during all that time with like Larry Fitzgerald and Randy Moss. There were some Hall of Fame players that kept making the Pro Bowl ahead of him. But Marcus certainly was worthy, but he's not eligible. So I nominated him. He was not eligible. I nominate obviously Jari, um, and I've nominated Tom Benson in the past for the Seniors Committee and the Contributors Committee. He's he's up for uh, on that ballot as well. So that's how it kind of works. You get on there once you're once you're approved by the Hall of Fame Board, then the the, the list is sent out. Now, what was interesting with Sam Mills, Aaron, was. He was in his final year of eligibility you once you're on the ballot, uh, when you become eligible after five years of retirement, you have 20 years to get in. And if you don't make it in in those 20 years as a modern era candidate, as they call it, then you are actually bypassed on to the seniors committee. And that's that's a whole separate subcommittee that votes on senior candidates. We vote on two a year to to nominate them. And uh, Sam was the first player ever to get in on the final uh, year of his eligibility. If you think about it, if they didn't get in in the 19 years before that, it's kind of hard for them to get in. But what happened with Sam was he he was on the ballot early on when he became eligible and people considered him a few years and then he kind of dropped off his name just for whatever reason kind of slipped through the cracks and he wasn't even making it into the finalist phase. He wasn't even getting into the final 25 or 15 and then, he started getting more momentum as we as myself and some of my colleagues started building up his candidacy and then once he got into the the finalist phase a few years ago he we were able to present his case to the selection committee and people became familiar with him hmm. and he got in thankfully on the last ballot
1: it's an interesting process for sure that you're constantly having to advocate for these players remind people about them what did it take for Jari to be able to get in his first year?
0: Well, he, he, and the argument for Jari is going to be pretty clear. He's the most dominant guard in the league during the, probably a decade when he played, Mm -hmm. Uh, he was the, I would call the second most decorated player on that Saints offense next to Drew Brees. Drew Brees is going to be the easiest candidate I've ever (laughs) I've ever nominated because I'm not even really have to make a case. He's going to be a lot like Peyton Manning, Brett Favre. Uh, He's a no brainer. Uh, Literally all I'll probably have to do, Aaron, is just say I nominate for, for Hall of Fame induction, Drew Brees. And that'll be it. I mean, everyone's (laughs) going to, we're not going to waste time parsing his career. Everybody knows Drew Brees, but Jari was the second, in my opinion, the second, not only the second most decorated, but, the second most dominant player on those offenses. Not only did they win a Super Bowl, but they were one of the most successful teams in the entire league during that time, and they broke almost every NFL record during that period. And he was the anchor in in the way the Saints did their offensive line. So in the presentation that I'll make during the five minutes, I will obviously riddle off all the offensive records the Saints set during that time, all the Pro Bowls he went to, the all-pro teams, Uh, And then when you start really measuring his credentials to the other candidates in that 15 member finalist group, which we we expect Jari to make it into that finalist group next month, then it gets, it gets hard though. I'll I'll be honest with you. It's very difficult because at this stage, the players are all great, right? There's no one Mm -hmm. that's gotten this far. That's not an incredibly talented dominant player for a very long period of time. And, Often you're dealing with players from different eras at different positions, so you're kind of it's it's an apples to oranges comparison. Sometimes, how do you compare Jari Evans, who was a dominant guard for a team in the 2000s, to maybe a player that played in the 80s or 90s at wide receiver? They both were great in their time. They play in different positions, and that's really where it gets difficult for the selection committee. And that's why we have 48 members because you get a really broad voting. Group there that can kind of parse that out. But I have to admit there's some times where there's certain players I don't vote for that get in on the Hall of Fame, and then certain members that I feel one hundred percent confident are going to get in, that I vote on and or you know or likewise uh, that I don't vote for that get in, and then players that i I don't think belong in make it in. it's it's just it's I never know what it's going to be like. Sometimes in that meeting room, players get momentum. It's strange, and the presentation that you make really can't make a difference, and that's why I feel a tremendous sense of responsibility because I feel like Jari Evans' legacy here is on the line a little bit. I mean, if he, he becomes a Hall of Famer and wears a gold jacket, uh, that's you know a lifetime achievement that these players started out playing when they were young kids dream about, and so uh, I take it very seriously, uh, the role I've got.
1: What goes into the presentation? You mentioned earlier, it's five minutes that you have to make your pitch. And that doesn't sound like very long to me to to discuss one player. Is there more discussion that goes on after the presentation?
0: Yes, good question. Yeah, my, my presentation is five minutes. Then the floor is open for discussion among the entire committee. Although there'll be oftentimes debates that go on we try to keep it short because the mm-hmm. meeting is we have 15 modern era finalists then we have the senior committee uh, nominees we have the contributor nominees so that meeting sometimes Aaron will go eight nine hours because of yeah. the intricacies of the discussion and we've had players uh, I can't name names but we've had players candidates where we've gone well over an hour discussing their merits why somebody belongs in why they don't belong in it can get heated sometimes there's people that feel very strongly one way or the other so that that sometimes can can drag on depending on the candidate and sometimes it, it's there's no discussion like i said i'm brett far because of that because we know there's going to be other candidates where there sure. is a lot of discussion when you have a no-brainer like a peyton manning it's in everyone's best interest to kind of move on. We know everyone's <laughs> going to agree on that. But after that, after the discussion ends, the committee will will kick it back to me and I'll get kind of a final say. And and I tell you, it it changes with every candidate. Morton Anderson, it took us a number of tries to get him in. It blew me away. They didn't get in right away. He was the leading scorer in the history of the NFL. And we couldn't get him in because there was a little bit of a bias towards specialists. I mean, he's one of two specialists that's in the Hall of Fame. That's it. I mean, there's not very many in. Actually, three, I should say. So it, it was difficult to get the committee to come around comparing a, a specialist that only played maybe four or five plays in a game to an every-down player that's maybe on the field for 60 plays. That was kind of the rub, and we had to get past that, and and we came up with a plan. Each Each year we kind of tweaked it. Morton was heavily involved. And we came up with one that ended up being successful. I,
1: the, the whole process is just fascinating to me. I had no idea that there's this much that goes into it. And as you mentioned, a lot of fans don't don't, don't understand. And even players don't realize, I think, what goes into it. And we've heard a few players quip about it over the mm-hmm. years. Do you think that that Evans has a shot this year? Or is it something that's going to take some time?
0: I think he's got a a good shot for sure i think he will make the finalist round which we're voting on right now i think december 13th the voting ends should be announced sometime in the week after that and then we'll get to the final meeting in in mid-january before the super bowl i don't think there's any doubt he's going to make this cut from 28 down to 15 i'll be surprised if he doesn't and then once he gets in the room anything can happen Mm -hmm. i looked at the class this year of candidates Uh, There's not a lot of of what we would call no-brainer first ballot inductees. I don't see – I think Darrell Revis, the cornerback, a terrific cornerback, he's got a really strong shot maybe to make it as a first ballot. But very few players make it first ballot, and that's what Jari is right now. I I would be surprised if he gets in right away on first ballot because so few players do. But once he gets into the finalist stage – Then your name, you've been discussed. Everybody's familiar with the career, and it's easy to make it back year after year because everyone knows, hey, you were a finalist last year. A good example would be Zach Thomas, the former Dolphins linebacker. Zach Thomas probably would have gotten in if it wasn't for Sam Mills. I mean, they're very similar players. They were undersized tackling machines, right? Well, my argument in part was that if you think Sam Mills deserves to be in the Hall of Fame – we need to put him in now because this is his last chance. Whereas we're going to get another chance in the future. Zach Thomas was a much younger player. I think he's only been in his third year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the committee did the right thing. We, we put Sam Mills in last year and we'll get a chance now to put Zach Thomas in, who I think deserves to get in maybe this year or next year. But there were, there's 20 opportunities uh, for a player to get in. Sam was on his last one. And so sometimes that, that does happen. When we only have five, that we, we only put five of the 15 in. That's something mm-hmm. else I should clarify. And that sometimes can create problems because there's you might have eight you feel very strongly about, we only put five in. And oftentimes what happens, Aaron, is we might put one offensive lineman in, one defensive back in, one receiver. Instead of putting three receivers out of the five, Sometimes we we dole it out by position a little bit. Okay, we're gonna we had a, a backlog a few years ago of offensive linemen, and we've slowly gotten the deserving candidates in. So that's gonna help Jarry's case a little bit. There's not a ton of offensive linemen now in the bottleneck mm-hmm. to get in, uh, and so I think that's gonna help him as well. But I think just his case of being the second, or you know, you could even make a case that sometimes he was the most dominant player on the Saints offense uh, on that record breaking. Uh, team that won, those teams that won so many games and set so many records, uh, they're certainly worthy of having two Hall of Famers at least on that offense. And I don't know, to be honest with you, if any other offensive players from the Super Bowl era will get in. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I don't think there's anybody that either played long enough or was decorated enough from those Saints teams besides Drew and Jari to get in. Now, I think Cam Jordan defensively is certainly going to have a strong case when he finally retires, but we're a ways off of that.
1: On the defensive side of the ball, though, do you think that there are any players that will have a shot from the that area? I, I don't
0: think so. I, I don't think so. I mean, I've tried to look at who they just know. nobody was a stalwart like a Cam Jordan over that long period of time from the defensive side of during those Saints teams. I mean, really, kind of carried those Super Bowl teams were carried by the offense. So I think now I do think former. Coach Sean Payton will have, uh, you know, a, a chance of getting in, being a Super Bowl-winning coach. He was the architect of this offense that led the league. I mean, there was a period of time, Aaron, where the Saints were either first or second in total offense or scoring offense for about a decade. It was unbelievable. We haven't seen anything like that in the NFL since Bill Walsh and Joe Montana 49ers, that, that long run – there have been spikes, like the greatest show on turf when, with the Rams – where three or four years they were dominant, and then it mm-hmm. kind of fizzled out. But the Saints were dominant for over a decade. It really was closer to a 12-year run where their offense and, – and that's going to be the really the, the impetus for me in that room to try and put into context just how dominant, how prolific those offenses were and those players need to be rewarded.
1: Sure. I really appreciate the insight Anything else that I didn't ask about or that you'd like to share about that process?
0: Well, no, I, I would say, I think in some ways, uh, you know, it, it's a team effort. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that we take a lot of pride at that the, the team itself has gotten heavily involved, uh, the, the public relations department, as well as uh, Mickey Loomis, the general manager. I know it's very important to everyone in the Saints organization, Gail Benson is the owner. Uh, they, take, they take great pride in this uh, Hall of Fame. I mean, they're they're there every year at the induction ceremony. Of course, Tom Benson gave $11 million to the Hall of Fame. So there's a real strong connection between the Saints and Canton, Ohio that I think makes it special. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think the the Benson name up in Canton uh, resonates because of of the involvement of the Saints organization. So I think uh, everyone, Saints fans, should be very happy to see this. Look, they're not buying votes. No one's (laughs) going to use Tom Benson gave $11 million, but but it, it, it does show that it's important. And I, I really appreciate uh, their uh, you know their appreciation for the legacy of these great players because it means so much to them. It's so special when you're up there, when they get inducted, they have their family there, their former coaches from the high school days, that you can just see what it means to them to get in. So I, I love every minute of being involved in the
2: process.
1: It's a very cool – process and we appreciate your part in it and, and fighting for some of these players on the Saints side you also as I mentioned earlier in the podcast stayed an extra day or two in California after the San Francisco game working on a, a really cool story that's going to come out later today you want to share a little bit about that story and, and the profile that you were able to do
2: yeah
0: it was it was something I really uh, looked forward to all year when I knew we were going to go out to San Francisco to play. Saints fans will remember, of course, Scott Pugeta, former linebacker, team captain on the Super Bowl team in 2009. Uh, Scott now lives with his family down south of San Francisco in Carmel, California. It's about it's about two hours south of San Francisco, and uh, he's got a very unique second career. If you if you know Scott Pugeta, uh, and this is kind of how I wrote the story, you knew he was going to be successful in whatever he did. Some some players have varying degrees of success once they get out of the NFL. It's a hard transition. You've you've done something mm-hmm. your whole life and all of a sudden it just ends. But Scott was a very unique guy. I mean, he was a Cal Berkeley great. He graduated Aaron from Cal Berkeley in three years with a with a bachelor's degree in political science. He got his master's degree in education his senior year. Just finished that off while he was still playing
1: you know, crazy. major college yeah. football.
0: Yeah, and he's just a unique guy, and uh, he was a great player for the Saints, like I said, team captain. And he now is the head of school at this – basically his daughter's day school. It's a pre-K to eighth grade, kind of a co-ed private school down there uh, in Carmel. And I just found it fascinating that this big 6'5 linebacker is roaming the hallways with these little kids running around (laughs) Uh, And that's what he chose to do. But it doesn't it doesn't surprise me knowing him. I mean, his father was a teacher. His grandmother was a teacher. And it's education's always been important to him. So I wanted to go down and visit him and kind of do a where are they now piece on Scott, because he was such a popular player here. He's also very good friends uh, with Steve Gleason, a former Saints player who I'm working on a book project with. So we were able to talk a little bit about that as well. I know he was a member of the Team Gleason board for a long time. So Scott's got his, his got a lot of irons in the fire. He's a fascinating guy. And um, I think Saints fans will enjoy reading about what he's doing with his life now, post-playing career.
1: I can only imagine the fear that he puts in people because you're already scared of your principal. You already, right. already don't want to get in trouble. And then to have somebody of his stature walking around, I, I think that's fascinating. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I look forward to reading the story and following along with the Pro Football Hall of Fame selections. And hopefully we'll get Evans in, if not this year, soon.
0: Thanks, Aaron, for having me on. I loved enjoying uh, explaining the process to everyone. And, yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed for Jari and, and Drew down the line. I think it's I think we're going to have more Saints in, in the next few years.
1: Love that. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast
2: presented by SeatGeek.